Well, hey, I'm glad that you're in the room with us today. If we haven't met, my name is Mark. I get the opportunity of serving as the young adults pastor. And man, I met so many new faces in the room today. Let's welcome them to the exchange. Come on, let's put our hands together for everyone joining for the first time. Hey, I'm pumped about tonight. Tonight we're entering week three of a series that we've been in called Why Do I Still Care? Why do I still care? And in week one, I shared with you the vision and the heart behind this series. I believe that this is a series uh, that God wants to kind of do some healing and bring some freedom to many of us, and specifically in the area of relationships. And not dating relationships, but the relationships that we exist in, the people that we do life with on a day-to-day basis. I believe God, he wants to bring some freedom and healing to our hearts. And today, to spend our time, I want to spend, uh, spend it in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. I want to spend our time there looking at a parable that Jesus told to one of his disciples. If you got a Bible, open up your Bible. If you got an iPhone, that works too. Or just use your eyeballs because the verses will be on the screen. Matthew 18, verse 21, it reads this. Then Peter, he came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. But 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man, he fell down before the master and begged, please be patient with me and I will pay it off. Then his master, he was filled with pity. His master, he was filled with compassion and he released him and forgave his debt. Today for our time, I want to speak to you from this idea. Don't take this to the grave. Don't take this to the grave. And I hate to go on record and admit this. Uh, but this is church, so sometimes we've got to, all the time we've got to be honest. But in middle school, I, I had a bully, okay. Her name was Adiola. Her name was, was Adiola. Now hear me, Adiola, she was a six-foot uh, young lady from, from Africa, okay. And Adiola, she, she had a thing for me. I'm not gassing myself up, just want you to know. This girl, she, she had a thing for me. This wasn't just a thing. This was like a fatal attraction type of thing, okay. Like, Adiola was telling all my friends and telling people at school all the time, like, that she was my African queen and, you know, we were going on dates and I would take her out. And I'm like, I'm 12 years old. I can't even drive. What are you talking about, you know. But she would tell all these people all of these different things. But every time I got around Adiola, she would not make eye contact with me. She would duck me. And I was like, yo, all right, I'm done with this. I'm about to put an end to this. I knew it was the end when one of my friends came up to me and told, told me that Adiola had told him that I was going to propose to this girl. Remember, we're 12 years old at this point in time. So one day, Adiola and I, we had the same bus. So I get on the bus and I'm like, today I'm going to make it known that she and I aren't a thing. I'm going to make it known to everybody. I get on the bus and... We're getting ready to go to our, or get to our bus stop. And I just stand up in the middle of the bus and I go, everyone, I need your attention. Adiola and I are not a thing and she is not my African queen. 
Okay? Get off the bus, think everything's cool. This girl, Adiola, mind you, nearly six foot at 12 years old, grabs my backpack, snatches my shirt, and starts beating me over the head with her textbook. Let me just tell you, this was not an ordinary beating from a girl. Like, what do they teach in Africa jiu-jitsu, you know? They're beating the tar out of me, bro. And let's just say, moving forward from that moment, Adiola was whatever she wanted to be in my life, okay? You, you got it your way, whatever you want to be today. But literally for like three years of my life, this girl made middle school like hell on earth for me. Like she bothered me. Like I, I, I disliked that girl. Let me tell you, I can't even tell you right now. That girl bothered the life out of me. What I think is so interesting about this, if we were to be honest, let's just be honest. Each and every one of us, we could look back and think about there's people or there are people that we dislike. Not only do we dislike them, we strongly dislike them. I would go as far as saying this. I know this is church, but maybe there's somebody that you hate. Maybe there's somebody that you hate. And I think oftentimes when we look back, it's the people at the top of that hate list. It's the people at the top of the hate list that hurt us at a point in time. It's the people at the top of the list that wronged us or lied to us or broke our trust or mistreated us or belittled us and put us down. Many of you, you find yourself in this place where you're speaking about that person. You start saying things like, I wish I never met them. I I can't stand that person. I I can't believe I even gave them the time of my day. Or maybe you start attaching your hurt to their name or their name to your hurt. Think about how many of us in the room today, we start saying things like, he or she is the reason why I struggle with all of these things. And all of us in this room, if we're being honest tonight, we've got that person in mind. Who is that person? Who's the person that hurt you? Who's the person that wronged you? Who's the person that broke your heart? And I just want to kind of preach this with some passion and authenticity tonight because I think that this is important we understand. Unaddressed hurt will keep you from living the life that God has called you to live. Unaddressed hurt, it will keep you from living the life that God has called you to live. And today, I want to teach you a word that, um, it's a strong word. I want to teach you the F word. Forgiveness, okay. Not like the progressive church, okay. We're to keep it decent. Today, I, I want to teach you on the power of forgiveness. I want to teach you on the power and the freedom that comes with forgiveness. And I, I want you to understand today, as, as I was praying about this message, God just simply told me it's time for some of you to let go of the hurt. It's time for some of you to let go of the hurt. It's time for some of you to let go of the resentment. It's time for you to let go of the hate in your heart. And I know oftentimes, like Elsa, people talk about let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go and let God. So, so sweet. But how many of you know it's one of the hardest things to let go is pain and hurt. One of the hardest things for us to let go in life is hurt and pain and resentment and trauma and all of the things that have taken place in our past. And I think sometimes we forget about the process and the pain that comes with letting go. I was talking to my wife yesterday. And I was sharing with her just kind of what I felt God was putting on my heart today. And she reminded me that oftentimes we get to a place where we go, oh, I I forgive them. Or I forgave them. So easy for us to release the words from our heart but not, or excuse me, from our mouth but not our heart. 
so easy for us to be like, yeah, I just, I forgave him. I let it go. But really, you're saying it from your mouth, but not allowing it to penetrate your heart. And I think about forgiveness like this. Forgiveness, sometimes it's, it's like a yo-yo. It's easy to release, but how many of you know there's always a string that's attached? It's easy to release that thing, but there's always a string that's attached to our heart. And I'm trying to help some of you understand, today is the day that you break the string and walk in the freedom that God has for your life. He's going to break the string and he's going to help you walk in the freedom that he has for your life. Today, my goal is not to get you to a place where you can just forgive from your mouth, but rather that you forgive from your heart. We've got to understand, unaddressed hurt, it gives birth to hate. Not only does it give birth to hate, it gives birth to resentment. It gives birth to, to pain, anger, rage, bitterness, resentment. It gives birth to so many different things that will keep us from living the life that God has called us to live. Hebrews chapter 12. I love what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. He says this, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Watch out that no root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. And I, I meet with so many of you, and sometimes we'll sit down and I, I pastor some of the people in the room, and they just, you know, like, I, I wish I never met that person. I wish I never gave that person my heart. Like, I wish I, I, I never spent any time hanging out with them, or I, I wish they never even existed. I wish they didn't even come to this church. Like, why do I have to see them on a Tuesday night? And can I tell you, this is the tone that comes with resentment and bitterness and hate in the heart. Oftentimes that's what resentment and hate in the heart and past trauma, all those different things, as they come to the surface, that's what it sounds like. And today, we've got to admit, many of us, we have unaddressed hurt in our hearts that's given birth to hate. And that hate, it's manifested into bitterness and it's keeping us from living the life that God has called us to live. Anyone seen this commercial? Uh, as of late, there's a commercial that markets this app called the Plant Doctor. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, super cringy commercial. Um, but many people that download this app, uh, they leave a review saying how ineffective and inefficient and inaccurate this application is. Because the premise of the app is that you can take a picture of your sick plant and it will send you feedback as to what you need to do. But many people are saying this is inaccurate and ineffective because when you take a photo, you're only taking a photo of what is visible. How many of you know oftentimes when you look at a plant or when you look at a tree, it's always an indication of what's taking place at the root. It's always an indication of what's taking place at the root. And so many of us today, we look at what's taking place in our life and we go, I don't know what the issue is. Can I tell you, the issue is at the root, you are unhealthy and you have unattended hate and hurt in your heart. You got to give it the attention it needs. And you got to get it back to a place of health. What we need to understand is God, he wants you to be fruitful in this life. But you can't bear fruit if you have an unhealthy root. And so many of us in the room, what we need to understand is the fruit of your life, it's your successes. The fruit of your life, it's, it's your relationships, man of God. The fruit of your life is your future family. And friend, if you don't check the root now, you're going to continue to birth something unhealthy. And I just want to speak to the men in the house. 
Because so many of us, we just feel like we got to muster up the strength and muscle through life. Friends, can I tell you, it is okay to be broken. God sees you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You don't got to muster up strength. You don't need to, to put on a facade and act like your life is ever so fruitful. Friends, you aren't bearing real fruit. Everyone knows it's just a facade. But you got to deal with the root. You got to deal with the root. Matthew 18, Jesus tells his disciple Peter a parable of a man who received God's mercy and grace in his life. But then he failed to extend it to others. Scripture says there was a king who decided to settle his accounts. And after he had lent out some money to some of his servants, he had taken inventory of what was given out. Then he realized one of his servants had owed him millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Matthew 18, verse 24, says this. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything they owned to pay the debt. But the man, he fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master, he was filled with pity for him, and he released this man and forgave his debts. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, yo, if someone owed me millions, of, they are not getting off that easy. Like, can we just agree, like, if somebody owed you a million bucks, how I many you know, that person ain't leaving your sight, yo. Not even a million dollars. Let's just start with a hundred dollars. Let's just start there. Hey, just BG. I'm BG. Ever give somebody like five dollars and like, I'll give it right back to you. How I many you know, like, when a couple months go by and it's just, hey, how are you? It's like, I'm doing good, but I need my money back, you know. Like, five dollars to them is nothing, but to me it's like 500, you know. It's like, give me my money back, bro. It's like on the top of my mind. What do you mean you forgot about it? But this man, he didn't owe the king $5. He didn't owe the king $500. He didn't owe him $1,000. He owed him hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know about you, but if somebody owes me $100 million, we throwing hands if I don't get my money. I don't care who you are, bro. We throwing hands. I, don't, I can't even imagine how this man felt like, what he's going to do, like call Jeff Bezos or something, you know. Jeff Bezos couldn't even help him. But in this moment, as you think the same thing that I'm thinking, what king in their right mind would just let somebody off and say, you know what, you get a free pass. How could this king allow this man who owed him hundreds of millions of dollars to just say, just go for it. I forgive you. Go about your business. Just want to remind you today, the king that we read about in this passage, he isn't an earthly king. He isn't anybody. He isn't any ordinary man. This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has forgiven our debt. And this king that we read about... This is an imagery of God the Father, how he has forgiven us our sins. You and I, friends, need to get an understanding. This message, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you and I, we have debt. It's called sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just never want us to forget the reality of this. 
Each and every one of us, we have something in our lives called sin. And friends, we couldn't handle the payment. We could not pay God back. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. The payment for our sin was death. But the grace of God says, I'm giving you life. By the grace and the mercy of God, he, he gives us life. And in this moment, he gives this man life. And I just wonder how many of us. In the room today, we're holding on to people. We're holding people captive because we're losing sight of the mercy and the grace of God. We've got unforgiveness and we've got hate and we've got hurt in our heart. We've got all these different things, wounded and all of these different traumas just built up in our hearts. But we're holding on to it. We're never letting that go. We're never freeing that person they're wrong because we've lost sight of the grace of our God. Because we lost sight of the mercy of our God. And I just want you to see this. This king... He wasn't only going to have this man thrown into slavery. Scripture says he was going to throw his whole family and all of their possessions into slavery. I'm not going at you today, man, but I need you to get this in your heart, man of God. Some of you, you're holding on to things in your life. You're holding on to trauma. You're holding on to bitterness. You're holding on to anger. You're holding on to hate. And friends, it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect your future family and your children's children. So what do you need to do? Address the root. Address the root. The Bible says, specifically to men, stand firm, act like men. And I believe that there's a generation right now that's birthing boys, not men. Just wonder today, how many of us, when we think about this man that I preached on in week one, King David, we're going to hear in a few moments about some of the things that he experienced all throughout his life. More importantly, how on his deathbed, he, resentment and hate and anger starts pouring out of his heart. How many of you remember early on in his life, maybe that was birth when his father rejected him. Maybe that was a starting point for all of the hate and all of the hurt and all the trauma and all the anger that we see come out of David later on in his life. Man, I'm just challenging you today. Just trying to help you understand. So many of us in culture today, we hear this term daddy issues. We go, that's exclusively held for women. Can I tell you it's the same to be true for men? And I'll be the first to admit it. I've struggled my relationship with my father. And that didn't just mess up my relationship with my father. That messed up my relationship with so many other people. And this isn't me condemning you. This is me calling you up and trying to help you open your eyes to the man that God is calling you to be. He's got more for you. He wants you to walk in his freedom. See, Matthew 18, verse 28. Picks up there right after the king. He's forgiven by God and God releases him. The king releases him. Just think that's such a picture of how so many of us were, were struggling to release the person that wronged us. But in verse 28 it says, but when the man left the king, after he walked away from the church and he went about his way, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant, he fell down before him. He begged him for a while. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor, he wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this and heard about it, they became upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. 
Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Isn't this a picture of what we do with so many people? This is a picture of how we go about treating people who have wronged us and hurt us. We receive the mercy from God. We receive the grace from God. We receive the forgiveness from God. But we never extend it towards others. We miss out on the part where God calls us to love our enemies. To forgive our enemies. To forgive those who have wronged us. The common theme in this generation and this day and age is mercy for me but justice for you. Mercy, grace, forgiveness for me. But justice for you. I know one of our greatest challenges is so many of us, we, we get so caught up in what people did to us that we forget what Jesus has done for us. Just can't move past what they did to me, Mark. Just can't believe they would hurt me like that. No, I will never free them from that. No, I'll never forgive them for treating me that way. Can't stand that person. I'll just strongly dislike them. I hate that person. I despise that person for what they put me through. So many of us, we struggle to remember what Jesus has already done. Can I preach it how I feel it? See, maturity in the Lord isn't holding on, holding people to a standard that you couldn't live up to yourself. See, the fact of the matter is we all need God's mercy, we all need God's grace, we all need his forgiveness and his kindness to be extended to us in this life because we fail God daily. But hear me, maturing in Christ isn't predicated on your ability to receive grace, to receive mercy. Maturity in Christ is predicated on your ability to extend grace and mercy to others. Want to be mature in Christ? Look at the way you're forgiving those who have wronged you. Look at the way you're speaking about those people who have hurt you. Look at the way you or think about, like think about your thoughts towards those who have dropped you, who betrayed you, who walked out on you. And that's a real litmus test of our maturity in Christ. You see, it's freely you have received, therefore freely you give. Freely we've received the mercy and the grace of God. Therefore, freely now I'm called to give even to those who have wronged me. As I preach this message, this isn't a message just for you. This is a message for me. Can I tell you, as I was writing this and even praying about it, I was struggling and wrestling with it. Because the reality of it is I struggle to forgive people that have hurt me and wronged me. Even in my past, I've, I've had a hardened heart towards so many people. I'm going to be real vulnerable. When I said yes to ministry, my own father, he didn't talk to me for three whole years. Because he didn't believe in my calling. He didn't believe I'd ever be able to provide for my family. He told me I let him down. 
And there's so many of us in the room today that we can identify with a hurt like that. And you've allowed that hurt to shape your identity. You've allowed that hurt and that wound to birth something in you that's causing you to strive. You're not, you're not pursuing the things God has called you to. You're pursuing the things that you want so you can prove to all those people who said you were up against the odds. Can I set you free today? There's a king in heaven who looks at you and he says, you, he says to you, I love you just the way you are. You don't need to strive after anything. You don't need to pursue anymore. You don't need to change your identity. You don't need to make more money. You have everything you need to do what I've called you to do. When you trust me with your life, I will do what only I can do. He loves you the way you are. You don't need to keep pursuing the things of the world. God is giving you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. The reality of it is, it took me some time to forgive my father. It took me some time to, to actually address the hurt. I'll just be honest. I got to a place where I was so tired and heavy and burdened in my heart because I realized that I was bound. I was realized I was, I was bound in all of these things that I was experiencing and thinking about, all the negative thoughts that I had towards my father. It was keeping me from walking in what God had for me in this life. I realized it was even affecting my relationship with my wife. It was affecting my relationship with those who were closest to me. And oftentimes, when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, we start feeling like if we forgive that person, we're just giving them a free pass. We're just giving them a, a, a get out of jail free card. Can I tell you the truth today? They aren't the prisoner, you are. We hold on to unforgiveness in our heart, friends. It's, it's keeping us from moving towards what God has called us to do. Some of you, you're so offended and you've taken so much offense in this life. Friends, now you are trapped behind a fence. You can't move towards what God wants to do got to get free. you got to break the chain. you got to break the tie and walk in what God has for you in this life. You see, forgiveness is more about your freedom than theirs. And throughout the scripture, Jesus said, or throughout the Bible, Jesus says, what does he say? We ought to love our enemies and we ought to pray for our enemies. We ought to love those who have made it extremely hard for us to love. We ought to pray for those who have made it extremely hard for us to pray. Luke chapter 2. Jesus, he tells the disciples in this moment, it's an interesting moment. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus says, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our sins that we would forgive those who sin against us. Why does Jesus say this? Because he knows that there is a gap in your faith if you're unable to extend the forgiveness to other people that have been extended to you. This just hit me as I was driving to this church today. Just think it's, we're being honest, I've been in this place before. I find myself praying on people that have hurt me rather than praying for people that have hurt me. Just wonder today, are you praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, on your enemies instead of praying for your enemies? 
Just think this is a litmus check for where you are in your faith journey and how you have seen the light of Christ Jesus and the forgiveness of your sins in your own life. And I think about this moment in 1 Kings chapter 2. There's a moment where King David, he's literally laying on his deathbed. 1 Kings chapter 2 tells us it's the end of his life and here he finds himself getting ready to pass the torch to his son Solomon. See, David had served as the king of Israel for over 40 years. And here he is laying on his deathbed, getting ready to ordain his son Solomon to be the next king of Israel. And as he's in this moment, he says something so interesting. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, he says, it says this. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. Take courage, be a man, observe the requirements of the Lord your God, and follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses, so that they will be successful in all that you do and wherever you go. Skip it down to verse 5. And there is something else. Don't miss this. You know what Joab, son of Zariah, did to me when he murdered my two army commanders? Do with him what you think is best. But don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. It's just so interesting. Here is a man of God that did great things for God in his life. He led so many victories for the people of Israel. He did amazing things for God. But here he is at the end of his life, one of the most special moments of his life, passing the torch of leadership and kingship and the throne to his son Solomon. But here he is tripping up over something that took place in his past. Here he is tripping up on some people that wronged him and hurt him in his past. And I think so many of us, we're carrying these deep hurts in our heart. But if we don't address it, we're going to take it to the grave. But you just think for a moment, like, at the end of your life, do you want to think about legacy, not wounds? And the biggest thing coming through some of, some of you right now as I'm preaching this message is I do think I will end up like King David, bound by hurt tethered to my pain, unable to break free because I never dealt with the hurt of the past. Today, I believe it's your day that you break free. Today, I believe in faith that today is the day that you find the hope and the freedom and the forgiveness of your sins and that you might extend that towards other people. Matthew 18, verse 34, this is the last verse I'm going to read from this passage. It says, then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And this is what Jesus says. He says, and that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is what I'll do to you if you fail to forgive from your heart. I suppose my challenge for us today is to take a step closer to freedom. And freedom isn't found by just saying it from your mouth. It's found by having it deep within your heart. I forgive you from your lips isn't enough. It needs to be the posture of your heart. But the question is, how do I know when forgiveness is flowing from my heart? Number one, it's really simple. we got to stop keeping score. we got to learn to stop 
keeping score. This parable it comes from the moment in Matthew 18, verse 21, when Peter asked Jesus the question, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. See, friends, forgiveness isn't about, is about losing score, not keeping count. And so often in our lives, the tone of hurt, the tone of resentment, it oftentimes sounds like, well, my dad didn't show up for me when I was a kid. It's not that he didn't show up once. He, he, he never showed up to my games. Not only did he not show up to my games, he, he didn't show up to my own birthday. What keeping score looks like, that person uh, that keeps talking poorly about you continuously, and you go, they didn't just do it once to me, they did it twice, they did it three times, and they continue to humil humiliate me. You're keeping score. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. Some of you are going, but Pastor Mark, my dad walked in on my family twice. And he broke all of his promises to me. Stop keeping count. Some of you men in the room, maybe you need this encouragement. Keep looking back on that friend that maybe he just, you know, poached your girl or something. He didn't do it once, but he did it twice. He started hollering at my girl and now they're dating. Homie, don't just forgive him. You need to thank him. You need to thank him. He did you a favor. He helped you out. You know, I think true forgiveness, it, it also looks like the moment when we stop attaching their name to our pain. We stop attaching their name to, to the pain and the hurt that we have. That's what true forgiveness looks like. I think about this moment in in the Psalms, the psalmist says in Psalm 103, verse 12, he says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the south or the west. You see, the Father, he removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And I just wonder today how many of us we've lost sight of that truth and we keep on attaching people's names to the hurt that we have in our heart. And if you fail to do that, Chances are you truly haven't forgiven them. Third way we can recognize if we've truly forgiven is when we give up on the desire to get even. It's one of the hardest things is giving up on the desire to get even. Romans 12 verse 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. See, a desire to revenge, it's not only a sign of unforgiveness, it's a sign that you do not trust that God is just. It's a sign that you don't trust that God is just. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. How do I know when I'm in a place where I've truly forgiven someone for their wrong, for the hurt that they put me through? Is when I make it a daily habit to revisit and thank God for his mercy and his grace daily in my life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, this parable reminds us that we must not forget the mercy and the grace that we have received from God. In fact, it should make it really, really challenging for us to continue to harbor hate, to continue to gossip about other people, to continue to 
think illy about other people. It should challenge us and make us uncomfortable and extremely convicted whenever those thoughts come across our mind or those words leave our mouth. But if it doesn't convict you, chances are you've lost sight of the mercy and the grace that's been extended to you. Here's what I want to do. I want us to just take a moment. And I want us to just put this into practice. One of the things I love doing in the morning is I have a gratitude journal. I love to thank God for three things. But as I've lately, as I've been thinking about this talk of forgiveness and hate and hurt and trauma and bitterness, the three things I've been grateful for is the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness that he's shown to me. I just want us to create a space right now for us to just be reminded of the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the love of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we talk about unforgiveness today, you know the reality is for some of us, we've been struggling to forgive a parent. We've been struggling to forgive, maybe, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a colleague, someone you entrusted your life to, somebody that you looked up to. Today I believe God's calling someone in the room today to put a line in the sand and say, you know what? I don't have to harbor hate. I no longer need to harbor this resentment, this bitterness, this anger in my heart. I want to walk in the freedom that God has for me. See, the hard part about walking in freedom is you can't extend freedom to someone if you haven't received freedom for yourself. You can't extend forgiveness to someone if you haven't received forgiveness for yourself. Some of us today, we need to forgive ourselves. But most importantly, there's someone in the room that needs to receive the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness that God wants to give for you too. See, the Bible says in Romans 3 that each and every one of us, we've sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. And sin, sin doesn't make me bad, sin makes me dead. As we talk about the mercy and the grace of God, the truth is that God loves you so much that when he looks at you, he doesn't see sinner, he sees son and daughter. But you gotta first put your faith and your trust in him. See, Jesus, he, he died on a cross so we could be in relationship with God the Father. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived the life that we couldn't live and died not just on a cross but our cross, that we would experience freedom and that we would receive life and life more abundantly. Somebody today is going to receive life and life more abundantly. Somebody today is going to receive freedom. So if you're in the room and you're saying, I want a relationship with Jesus, nobody's looking around. This is your moment between you and God. I just want you to raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to know who's saying, I want to trust Jesus with my life. I want to receive the freedom and the forgiveness of my sin. Let's do this. 
see you in the back. The Bible says if you not only believe, but if you profess with your mouth, if you call out to God, you will be saved. So if that's you, I just want you to repeat this prayer right where you are, silently amongst yourself. Lord Jesus, today I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of grace. So today, I'm making a decision to turn from my sin and to turn towards your son. I know that Jesus paid the price for my sin so I could be made free. And today, I put my faith and my trust Help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.